Let's open our Bibles to 3 John, the disciple that Jesus loved, wrote us a gospel and three epistles. And we come to the third epistle this afternoon. Let's follow the same course that we used this morning. Let's look at the verses and read them distinctly and give their sense and then pull some lessons from them. As is the case, and as was the case with the second epistle, every word of God is pure, and God chose these words for us. This is one of the things we believe by faith, that every word in our King James Bible is important for us to live. To the degree that you neglect it, to the degree you do not get excited about it, is to the degree that you're a loser. And it's your choice to be a loser. Many people, most people, go through life being losers. Not having a real relationship with God, nor really knowing His Word. And so they lose. They lose in a relationship with God, and they lose in having a pleasant life in this world because they don't know how to live. Functional living is found by the faith of the Word of God. Because the Bible tells us how to live. Jesus said that He came to give life and that it might be more abundant. He, the whole book of Proverbs is written to guide our feet into living functional, happy lives. And all of that is to say, love the Word of God. Even Third John. Let's begin. Verse 1, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. We have the same man writing, our beloved brother John, the Apostle. And he's writing this time to a man instead of a woman. Notice how similar the language is in the first verse. Notice how similar it is in the last two verses when he closes out to the second epistle. One was written to a woman, this one to a man. If you say, why didn't he give the name of the woman? I would say, why in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 didn't he give the names? And he told you he wasn't going to give the names of the brethren he was going to send to take the collection of the Corinthians across the Mediterranean Sea to Jerusalem. I don't know the answer to the latter, and I don't know it to the former. God makes choices sometimes not to reveal names because He may be protecting someone in some way. But in this case, we know the name. We can find Gaius throughout the book of Acts. It's a common Roman name. But I'm not going to connect this Gaius with any of them because I can't prove it. And if you can't prove something, your ideas aren't any better than mine, and mine aren't any better than Charles Manson's. Our ideas don't mean anything. Your opinions don't mean anything. You don't have an enlightened opinion, no matter how close you're walking to the Lord, because the Lord's revelation ended with the New Testament canon of 27 books. And that's something we believe. That's a fundamental principle of our faith that the Word of God is God's revelation to us and He doesn't reveal additional truth to you or to me outside of Scripture. And there's no connection here. But we know it's a man named Gaius and we know that John loved him in the truth just like he loved the elect lady. So here's a man that John loved. And every boy and every man needs to ask the question, Have I lived and am I living my life in such a way that if John knew this church and were writing an epistle to this church and the pastor was an overbearing tyrant and wouldn't let the letter come into the church, would he write me a private one? Because that's the case here. 
Diotrephes is the head of this church and wouldn't allow John's epistle in, so John wrote a private one to Gaius. What an honor. We should ask ourselves, do we love the God of heaven enough and are we walking in the truth in such a way that we would receive such an honor? He says in verse 2, Beloved, this is the one man, Gaius, the well-beloved Gaius. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. This is a wonderful verse. Beloved. He's already called him well-beloved. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. There are some wonderful things from this little sentence. Here is a man who put his soul first. He didn't care about his business. And he didn't care about his health in comparison to his soul. His soul is prospering, but John is yet praying for more prosperity in his business and in his health. But John doesn't pray for any more prosperity in his soul because his soul's already got it all. What a man. This is a man who has his priorities right. You know one of the lessons of application that's going to come up at the end of this uh, exposition of the epistle. But first of all, let's just notice, here is a special man whose soul is prospering in its fear of God, in its love of Christ, in its love of the truth, and walking in the truth. So much so that John doesn't even have to pray for that. He just prays a great blessing on him to add those other things that are far less important along with the prosperity of his soul. Remember, when Solomon sought first the prosperity of his soul to be wise and understanding so that he would lead God's people properly, God added the riches and the long life to him, the prosperity and the health to him, because he didn't ask for that. He asked for his soul first. Someone that asks for their money first never gets it. Always lives a discontented and a losing life. If God were ever to give them riches, it would be with such a dry and empty soul, it would be of no value to them anyway. God gave Israel the request of their hearts one time, but sent leanness into their souls. If God were to ever give you the answer to your prayer for financial things, and then sends you leanness into your heart, you lose. There's an order in God's Word. And it's always to put your soul first and the, the riches follow. The health follows. All you have to do is pull out a church directory and take a look at it and see that. In our church, it's visibly demonstrated in your midst. It's visibly demonstrated in the Bible. Sometimes there are other factors that play into a person's life when God is tempting them or trying them. But overall, the general rule is still going to come to pass. It's the rule of God's Word. Those who put the Lord first, He blesses them with the other things. You know the verse, Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What are those other things that God adds? All the things the Gentiles seek after. Health, clothing, and money. He says, I'll take care of all that garbage. Give me your soul first. Because all that stuff doesn't mean anything. Doesn't help you be happy. Doesn't help at all. And you're not going to take a penny of it with you. 
So you always put your soul first, and this man did. This is an unusual character. His soul's prospering, and there are very few prayer requests like this in the Bible. Above all things, I wish that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. See, an apostle, which, who represents the mind of God, an apostle can pray for financial prosperity for a man that has his soul in the right place. This represents the heart of God. Get your soul in the right place, I'll take care of the other things. And that matches up with the rest of the Word of God. In the book of Haggai, he said, Consider your ways. You're planting much, but you're reaping little. Why? Because they were worried about their houses rather than the house of God. Another example of this point right here. Wonderful verse. I hope you can see it. Verse 3. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. Here's the great rejoicing again of Brother John. He rejoiced in the second epistle that he heard of the elect sisters, the elect ladies' children walking in the truth. And here it is that Gaius is walking in the truth. I heard about it. Oh, that is the sweetest. That is the sweetest when you hear other saints continuing to come and say, that person loves the truth so much. Whenever I am with that person, they are encouraging me in the truth. That person is always living the truth. Those are the things that we want spread about us. Those are rumors we want flying wild about each of us. And this was true of this man Gaius. When the brethren came and they spoke of Gaius, he was a man that, was, that had the truth in him and that was walking in the truth. This is what every man should want for his soul. Verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. This man Gaius was one of John's converts. That's why he's called a child here. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And here again is a rule for us about others. There should be no greater joy than to walk in truth. You know, in this church, we honor for all sorts of God's blessings in life. But the number one honor is that they're walking in the truth. And that God has led someone and convicted them to be living, speaking, breathing, and living out the truth. May the Lord bless us to be like Gaius here. No greater joy than to hear about it from others. That you're walking in the truth. Verse 5, we have a commendation. Beloved, my beloved Gaius, this is the third time he says this, Thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers. I have heard testify of you, Gaius, that everything you're doing toward the brethren in the church there and toward strangers that come and visit you, I hear about it, everything you're doing, you are doing so faithfully. What a wonderful testimony. There is so much of Third John that is the reputation either of this man Gaius or of a man named Demetrius that we're, we're going to read about before we get to the end. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Gaius chose that great name by the way he lived. He loved the brethren in the church and he loved strangers that were visiting. And those strangers weren't people down the street. They weren't the subdivision party. Those strangers were traveling preachers. How do I know that? I read the rest of the epistle. 
It's certainly not my opinion. Okay, go to the next verse 6. Which have borne witness of thy charity. That is, the brethren and the strangers from verse 5 have borne witness of thy charity before the church. They have testified to the church that you are an exceptional brother and that you have faithfully been taking care of them. Brethren and traveling saints, whom, if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. They've borne witness of all that you've been doing, and I hope you will continue doing it and bring them forward on their way. Many of the saints of the Lord and preachers would travel from city to city and be paid for, provide, given room and lodging, and then sent on to the next city. Bring them forward on their way and do it after a godly sort, which is to do it in a, God, in a way that would honor God, which would, do it, which would be doing it in a way as if it was God Himself. When an ambassador of our country is in a foreign nation, or we have an embassy set up, that territory at that embassy is considered the sovereign territory of our government. And that person is dealt with as if he were our government himself. And when there is an ambassador from heaven, otherwise known as a minister of the gospel, traveling, he should be treated as if it were God himself. Do it after a godly sort. Do it in a way that brings honor and glory to God in the way that you take care of these men. Now he says you've already, you've already had a testimony before the whole church, of doing a very faithful job in this. Continue to do it. If you'll continue to do it and bring them forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. You have a great reputation. Keep it up. Verse 7, describing these preachers, because that for his namesake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. These are Jewish preachers that went out of Jerusalem and other cities to follow the Apostle Paul and preach the Gospel to Gentiles. And they took nothing in their evangelistic labors. Now that didn't mean they weren't supposed to be supported. It meant that they were following Paul's course of when doing evangelistic work, not to expect money out of people that were just hearing the truth and just being converted. Gaius was supposed to take care of them. Obviously, Gaius was a man of means already to be able to show such hospitality. Let me chase something for just a second. When we have a man that already has means for showing hospitality and helping ministers of the gospel on their way, why was John praying for his prosperity? Because he knew how to spend his money. Because he had such a heart for the gospel. You know, the Bible tells us, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him work with his hands the thing that is good that he may have to him that needeth, to give to him that needeth. You know, the most desirable person to pray for, for them to be advanced financially, is someone that knows how to give. It's not that someone knows how to take. Every selfish sinner knows how to take, but only a few men in the history of the world know how to give and to give generously. And it's exciting to pray for them. And that's what John was praying for Gaius. I pray, brother, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper. You know, when I'm reading that, I almost get scared. He says, above all things, I wish that you could prosper. And the reason is, he knew that any prosperity that came into Gaius' pockets was going to go to a good cause. 
And that's helping forward the preachers of the gospel. From verse 7. Because that for His namesake, they went forth. These preachers went in obedience to the call of the Lord Jesus Christ and to bear His name before the Gentiles. And they took no money from the Gentiles. They would take it from the Jews who were fully converted behind them, but they wouldn't take it from the Gentiles they were preaching to. Verse 8, We therefore ought to receive such, that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. What a wonderful verse. Gaius, you may not have been called. You haven't been ordained. You're not one of the preachers. You're just a successful businessman. But you're a helper of the truth because you keep sending those preachers on their way. A wonderful verse. Listen, to be a helper to the truth is a wonderful blessing. And here Gaius is singled out in the New Testament as a man who used his hospitality to take in ministers and to send them on their way. And he had done it so well that a witness was born before the whole church that he was great at it. To to brethren and to strangers. And that takes us down through verse 8. Verse number 9. He tells Gaius, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. This particular church that he's writing to had an overbearing tyrant in it, probably in the ministry, probably the head pastor, who did not allow Paul's, John's epistle and would not receive the apostles. Now there's a reason that men who wanted to be overbearing tyrants did not like apostles. They had too much authority and too much power for men who wanted some of their own. You could not compare to an apostle. There's a very interesting verse over in Acts chapter 5. Let me read this to you. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. This is Acts chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. There were such great signs and wonders done by the apostles that God Himself drew a line in the sand and said, no one is worthy to join this group of people. It was so visibly obvious that though there, were, though there was Philip and Stephen that could perform great signs and wonders, no one could compare to the twelve apostles. God Himself set a, a difference in the number of gifts and the power of those gifts that they had that no one dared pretend he was an apostle when the real apostles were around. They might pretend they were an apostle when there wasn't another apostle around. Because then you could deceive the people, but not when a real one stepped on the scene because of the power they had. Diotrephes didn't want to receive the apostles. John wrote to this church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. He doesn't want any apostolic authority in the church. He wants the authority. Preeminence means he wanted to be the big cheese. He wanted to be the one in charge of this church. He wanted the one to get all the honor. He wanted the final say in things. Here's what John has to say about this man in verse 10. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. 
these traveling brethren and traveling preachers that were coming in the vicinity of this church, Diotrephes would not let them come in, but cast them out and wouldn't let the church members keep them that he could keep track of. Now that's a wicked man who won the preeminence. And gentle John, as some call him, the loving disciple, as some call him, I remember him as the loving son of thunder. He said, Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth. That is not some little idle threat. That's an apostle with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can read of the apostles causing blindness to fall on men with a word. I can read of the apostles casting out devils, discerning spirits, and having great authority in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He could have shut down those malicious words out of the babbling mouth of, di- of Diotrephes very easily. To prate is to talk and talk and talk and not say anything. This is malicious prating. This is talking and talking without saying anything logical or helpful, but criticizing and condemning the apostles. The word prating is used as of a fool in the book of Proverbs where they go around prating all the time. Yak, 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 yak. But they never have anything profitable for our soul. That's a fool. Mouth is always yapping, but there's nothing connected to it. And even if they were to get a connection, there's still nothing there because they're bankrupt in the soul. That's a fool. This man was a fool in love with himself. And the Apostle John says, when I come, I will take care of him. Verse 11 after having described such a terrible situation in the church, he says, Beloved... Now, how many times has he called him Beloved now? Four. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. Don't follow this wicked example. He may be a bishop of the church. He may be in a position of authority. Do not follow his wicked example, but follow that which is good. He that doeth good is of God... But he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Don't let Diotrephes sway you at all. The way that he's treating saints coming from other churches and preachers coming from other churches shows that he's evil and he does not know God. That kind of behavior is not from God. Follow that which is good. Don't follow that which is evil. A man that does good, you can know something about him. You can know God wrought that good in him. And the goodness is defined by the Word of God. Not what the world thinks is good, not what you might think is good, but what the Bible defines as good. When you see that in a man's life, you know that man knows God and God dwells in him. Verse 12. This is interesting. Having introduced Diotrephes and the bad example he was to Gaius, he now introduces a man that he could follow. Demetrius hath good report of all men, and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. The apostolic record of Demetrius was very good. This was a good and godly and consistent man, as measured by the truth itself. Notice, Demetrius hath good report of all men, and of the truth itself, as measured by the whole All the words of God that are contained in the gospel of Jesus Christ, this man measures up as fulfilling and obeying all of them. The truth itself, 
bears witness that Demetrius is a great man. Follow his example. Two men here, Diotrephes in verses 9 and 10, and then Demetrius in verse 12, is the choice that Gaius had to make, not to follow evil, but to follow good. Demetrius hath good report. Remember? A good name. A good name is a choice. How important is the choice? A good name is to be chosen above great riches. Gaius had a choice to make. Was he going to follow the evil example of Diotrephes? Or was he going to follow the good report of Demetrius? There's a choice we all make. There are members in this church you want to follow and ought to follow. There are members in this church that you ought not to follow and shouldn't want to follow. There is a difference. The Bible is very plain about the difference. It says that there are strong and there are weak. It says that there are spiritually minded and carnally minded. It's very visible to anybody with two eyes and God-sanctified sense. And you want to choose the Demetriuses to follow. Verse 13, I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Here's the same wording from the second epistle. I have a whole lot I want to talk to you about, but we'll do it face to face. You know, part of you says, what is all that other stuff he wanted to talk about? And I say to you, what he wrote is what we need, not what he didn't write. And so what did he write? He commended this man for having his soul first. And he prayed for his prosperity and his health because of that. He told him about his great reputation that he had, which we should want to emulate. He told him about wicked men who get in the pulpit and have pride in their office. Remember, one of the first qualifications for a minister in 1 Timothy 3 is not a novice, lest being lifted up in pride he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Because it was pride that cost the devil his job. And we learned that from 1 Timothy 3.6. Diatrophes loved to have the preeminence. He was proud and he used his office for self-praise and self-promotion. And that is not a godly minister. We learned that. We learned that helping preachers and saints on their way and showing them hospitality is being a fellow helper to the truth. And a wonderful thing. And it ought to be done after a godly sort. And it ought to be done faithfully. We found that those that do good, goodness as measured by the Word of God, have a work of God in their hearts. We saw that Demetrius had such a report of everyone. Demetrius, measured by the truth itself, passed. Don't we all want that passing grade? As measured by the truth itself. That means the unadulterated, unapologetic words of God as they describe how we should speak and act with all men at all times. Demetrius passed. And Gaius was to follow that example. John closes out by saying, Peace be to thee. Beloved Gaius, peace be to you. Our friends salute thee. The friends that were with John saluted Gaius in the singular, thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. John tells Gaius, all the friends that are with you, greet them by name from us. 
Look at the secret society that existed in the Roman Empire. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. There is in the churches of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God a secret society in this world that is unobservable by the rest of the world. And it is our bond together in Jesus Christ, the truth, that causes us all to be friends worldwide, even when we haven't even met many of them. It is the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And whenever we have an occasion to help them, we are fellow helpers of the truth. A few lessons, very quickly. To be loved by good men is a great goal, and it's the result of a godly life. How wide is your reputation? How many men love you? How deep is their love for you? And why do they love you? How many, how much, and why? What kind of a reputation do you have? This man had a great reputation. John heard from everyone who spoke before the whole church that Gaius was always was constantly involved in taking care of saints. And John loved him in the truth for it. And John said, you do it faithfully, what you're doing. You know, there are people that help others once in a while. There are people that help others stingily. There are people that help others after they've been kicked in the pants twice. There there are people that help others once in a while with an overbearing manner. Then there's a Gaius. Gracious, kind, generous, faithful, initiative, looking for opportunities to give and serve. What a great man. Let us be provoked to follow his example. The truth, again, is the best criterion for friendship. I am a companion of all them that fear thee and keep thy commandments, David said. And so it is between John and Gaius. What a love letter. Well-beloved, beloved, beloved, beloved in 13 verses. What a love letter between two men. What bound these two men? The truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I pray that that will bind our hearts and our souls to be like John and Gaius. Oh, brethren, health and finances follow the soul. If you get it out of order... He will not give you your health and finances. And if He does, He'll send leanness into your soul just to punish you for getting them out of order. Put your soul first. That is such an infantile, profane approach to life to worry about money when you should be worrying about your soul. Saul worried about his kingdom. David worried about his soul. Who got the throne? David did. And Saul died in ignominy with his head cut off and nailed up to a Philistine wall. So polluted they had to burn his body. A profane man. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. You want things to happen in your life? Delight yourself in the Lord. Get excited about the Word of God. Get excited about the God of this Word. Get excited about His Son, Jesus Christ. Love that Christ. Love His words. Love these epistles. Love to speak to others about them. God will take care of the rest. 
Let me quote it again. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. There are, there are men sitting in this congregation that were destitute and broken, that came here not having a clue about what they were going to do. And God took care of them. And God made a difference. But everyone in here knows something about those men. Their soul was first. Soul was first. And the Lord takes care of the rest. You can work yourself. There's 168 hours in a week. You can go ahead and work 120 of those and sleep four hours a night. And you will not get ahead like you can get ahead putting your soul first. Because here's what the Lord says. It is vain for you to rise up early, to stay up late, and to eat the bread of sorrows. You can work overtime all you want. You are going nowhere. It is vain for you to rise up early, to stay up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so He giveth His beloved sleep. Because except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Keep your souls first. Oh, it's not just a few. If you would stop and think, and I get to do it as a pastor, and I'm very thankful for the examples, if you would stop and think about changes in men's lives when they put their soul first, the things that happen after that. It's not Jonathan Crosby's opinion. It's the Word of God, and it's Third John. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. There are very few prayer requests like that in the Bible. This is the heart of God. This is an apostle writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Do you know why he spoke that way? Because he didn't have a care in the world about Gaius' soul, because Gaius had taken care of his soul. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life, and I'll add on the other things. Let me keep repeating myself. Solomon said, Lord, I'm just a foolish child. Show me. Give me wisdom and an understanding heart so that I can go in and out before this your great congregation and be a wise and understanding leader. It says the Lord loved that prayer request. And the Lord said, I've heard your prayer request and you've got it. But because you didn't ask for riches, you've got them too. Because you didn't ask for your enemies, you've got them too. Because you didn't ask for health, you've got that too. Is that wonderful? What a great God. Seek first. What does that mean? On the first day of the week I go to church? Or does it mean every day of the week I put the Lord first? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's the religion of Jesus Christ. I give it to you today. I'm His ambassador. The King of Heaven is waiting to pour you out a blessing if you'll keep your soul first. And do you know what? When your soul is first and your soul is right, you don't care about the other things that I'm talking about being added to you. That is a wonderful way to live. When your soul's first, you don't care what you're making. You don't care where you're living. You don't care that you haven't amounted to some big cheese in the world. 
Because your soul is right with the Lord and you've got the Lord. You start having language like this. There's no one on earth and there's no one in heaven that I desire beside Thee, O Lord. I have all the riches and, the, and my heritage forever in Thy Word. I don't need anything else. What a ch- Do you know what that's called? Where I came from? That's called a win-win situation. That's what it's called. It's called win-win. Young people, do you hear that? Keep your soul first. The Lord will take care of everything else. And if He doesn't, you won't know the difference because you'll think you're the richest person on earth. A good reputation is a choice and it's known by your reputation by others. Everyone thinks that they're a great Christian. A great Christian is someone that everyone else says is a great Christian. Don't forget that. It's, it's Gaius who's being testified of before the church that he's a great Christian. What a difference that makes. A good name is not me thinking I have a good name. A good name is everyone else thinking you have a good name. That's what a good name means. Loving favor is not you having loving favor towards yourself. Loving favor is others having loving favor towards you. And it's a choice by living a godly life. You're, see, we deceive ourselves. The heart is deceitful above all things. But guess what? Everyone else doesn't get deceived about you. If they're going to do anything, they're going to be kind of critical about you. And if everyone else is saying, that is a godly man, the change in that man's life is wonderful. The way he speaks and the way he lives, that's a godly man. You have a good reputation. That's a good name. That's what you want to get. And it's a choice to live that way. Our great goal and pleasure for each other should be to walk in the truth. And it's walking in the truth. Notice it didn't say talking in the truth or believing in the truth or professing in the truth. It's walking in the truth. And faithful charity spread wide is the sign of a great man. To be charitable to everyone you can be. Remember that widow. She's not going to be supported by the church unless she's entertained strangers. Doesn't the Bible say, be not forgetful to entertain strangers because some have entertained angels unawares. Hebrews 13.2 When someone comes to visit our church, get excited about taking care of them. If you want to get ahead. And you know what? What the words I just said don't mean anything to most of you. You just want to keep some brother that comes because you love those who love the Lord. You love all those that walk in the truth. You don't care about getting ahead because the Lord will take care of that Himself. I want everyone to notice that this man's charity, verse 6, this man's charity was spoken of before the whole church and he did not lose his blessing or his commendation from beloved brother John. This is the Lord's way. Gaius gave it without any desire for self-promotion. John promoted him because he was such a great example to the rest of the church and that did not take away from his reward. Ministers should be highly esteemed and every opportunity we have to support a minister, we ought to do it because look at what it says. We therefore ought to receive such, that is preachers, that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. Not everyone is ordained. The Bible says, and He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, but all of us make a living and we can help preachers. And what we did this past week should be exciting to you. 
we were fellow helpers to the truth on the other side of the earth. And we didn't send it through some missionary society. We sent it directly to an ordained Baptist bishop who is taking care of two churches in Malaysia. Praise the Lord for the opportunity. Preeminence by any man is a blight in a church, but especially in the ministry. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, and that was a mind of a servant, not a Lord. Peter said ministers are to be examples to the flock, not lords over them. And malicious prating against a minister is going to get the judgment of God. Korah thought he'd try it one time. He got the judgment of God. Forty-two little children tried it one time on Elisha, and they got the judgment of God. Aaron and Miriam tried it on their brother Moses one time, and they got the judgment of God. And you can trust one thing about God's dealings with men. Diotrephes got it as well. Love and defense of the gospel will not tolerate men like Diotrephes. There's no evidence of eternal life in a man's life unless he's full of goodness, and that goodness is measured by the Word of God. Goodness is not measured by giving to United Way. Goodness is not measured by the temperature of the milk you give to stray kittens. Goodness is measured by the Word of God. Goodness is measured by everything this Bible teaches on how you treat friends or enemies, on how you control your tongue. And we want goodness to be flowing from us that we might have a good report of all men, of all the brethren, and of strangers that would see us and see the grace of God through us. May the Lord help us to that end. When I tell you and when I tell you about website contacts that we get, or I send you a few emails like I did yesterday, I hope your heart beats fast with pleasure, joy, and you want to drop down to your knees and pray for those people because you count them friends. Because they're walking in the truth and many times seeking the truth and wishing they had what you have. I hope that you have a bond that occurs in your heart immediately of wanting to pray for them, help them, and I can't wait till the pastor assigns me one of them because you want to do something with those contacts that write us. This epistle shows the personal nature of the New Testament and the praise of one man, the man Gaius. And we saw a few lessons that John gave him to keep doing the great work that he'd been doing and build that reputation that he already had, and that he would do well if he would keep doing it. And he ought to follow good and not evil. Every boy in here, every man in here, we should want to be like a Gaius. Every opportunity we have to be fellow helpers to the truth, take in strangers, do everything we can and do it faithfully. Do it after a godly sort. Continue to walk in the truth. And in so doing, other men that walk in the truth will love us and love you. And it is not, it is not to get their love only. It is chiefly to get the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and His approval upon our lives. But when His approval comes, and one of the ways it is shown is by the fact that other men that walk in the truth will have a good reputation, will have good things to testify and witness about you even before the church. Let our lights shine in this world that those in and out of the church will see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. We read this epistle and we get excited that John had a friend 
named Gaius. And that there was a whole group of friends that communicated in that part of the world at that time. And may the Lord bless us to be one of those. And may we befriend all those who love and walk in the truth. Amen.